Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. So I've asked you this, I think, before, but is there anything more satisfying than a new set of Bosch windshield wipers? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Nope. Nothing. There, there's so many of those like Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts that are like satisfying things to watch. Have you seen those? I don't know if I have. Yeah, they're 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 kind of like a visual ASMR kind of a thing where you're just like oh yeah that that looks really satisfying like the the one i saw this morning was a guy resurfacing like a tennis court with this liquid applied you know surface that was gonna obviously harden but it was like this blue color and the way that he was just sweeping it across the the surface and and getting it all you know self-leveling kind of a thing it was just it's kind of cool <laughs> to watch those things that's what windshield wipers are to me <laughs> well that uh i don't get any, i don't even get rain here maybe that's why they're so satisfying exactly so because one day you might one day yeah or, I, it's i replace those or to clean the bugs off your windshield yeah that's dust and bugs i get a lot of uh replacement kind of well that this is one of those things i replace every year i, I just kind of have to because the sun just eats them that's that's what happens to windshield wipers so it's funny it's like you actually don't get your money's worth out of these things living in Southern California. Actually the, uh, the reels that I sent you yesterday, that one guy that like was staring at videos, commenting on videos of like big fatty foods. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So just sent you the one where he was, uh, what do we got going on here? Looks like some kind of cool sausage. Cut it open. What are you going to do with that? Oh, it's stuff in the Oh, I'm never gonna be a skinny man. What do we got going on here? Looks- <laughs> I was just, so I was like looking. Yeah, I fell down a rabbit hole of looking at his stuff, and he's like looking at all sorts of different like fried foods, baked foods, deep fried foods, foods with tons of cheese and bacon and everything else. And he's like, "Oh, I'm never gonna be a skinny man." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just as like whimsical way of like looking at things and so yeah i don't know i i fall down those rabbit holes i don't know if it's windshield wiper uh caliber stuff or like turn the sound up and listen to this engine right like ooh, okay i will <laughs> if you distraction yes please yeah, like <laughs> if you tell me so i shall right who are you to tell me oh thank you <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Okay, I will. <laughs> <clears throat> Ooh, wait. A Ferrari driving in a tunnel? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> oh man. So so doing doing some upgrades on my new to me 2007 uh 320,000 mile Toyota Tundra to pull a, a trailer and I I ordered I was trying to navigate the Toyota parts website to find some new you know, you never know what these things are called. So you just start searching for, you know, actually YouTube or Google or whatever. And then, and then somebody tells you what this, I'm looking for like weather stripping for the, 
or the glass, you know, on the, on the doors. And cause it's just, you know, again, it's just deteriorated because of the sun. That's what the sun does here. It, it actually just eats rubber, what it's made to do, I guess. And so I'm, I'm looking to replace those. And I, I, I think I found it. I, I order it, it shows up. I go pick it up at the, the local Toyota dealer, come back home, open it up. And it's the inside, not the outside. So, you know, it's just like, why is the internet still so hard? <laughs> what are things called? Even when they're called that, it doesn't guarantee you're going to find the right thing. So, Well, that's why I liked the Haynes manuals. Yeah, because it's all visual, right? It's flip, 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 flip. So there's pictures oh, on the website and everything for the doors is just the inside of the doors. No outside of the doors. And so I go down to the parts guy and he was like, oh yeah, it's there. And I'm and I like crane my neck around because he's not showing me a screen i'm like are you looking at the same thing i'm looking at oh yeah it's the same thing and i he's like oh yeah it's there and and he turns the monitor towards me and i'm like oh where and he clicks like on 20 different things and he can't even find it and he's like ah let me just give you the part numbers like it was so funny because like he was going to charge me full price if i order at the desk but if i go order it online it's like half the price and he doesn't want to give me the part numbers because then he's doing the work i totally get it right but he, he was a nice guy. He did give me the part numbers, but, but for him to be saying like, oh yeah, it's right there. Yep. It's there. It's there. And then he couldn't find it. I'm just like, okay, why is the internet so hard? Like, <laughs> Well, you know, funny you say that. So the last time I was in California visiting y'all and other friends pre COVID, the friend of mine turned me on to using hotels tonight app, which is great because you can find things for cheap. And so I, I was looking at hotels and an area in Michigan that I was looking to stop for the night before we had to move on to the next place we were going. And I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, five minutes away from this place. Why don't I just drive up there and, and see what they've got? So I not only looked at hotels tonight, but then I also looked at their their online prices. And they were roughly about the same because I guess at that stage of the night or whatever. And so when I go and I was like, okay, well, you know, if they're, they're roughly the same price, then you know, I might as well just go check in there and, and get the price. Nope. When you walk in and you're eye to eye with the person and you ask them, Hey, how much is this? And they're like, Oh, it's one thirty, you know, one thirty-five. just throw a number out there. And they're like, like one thirty-five. it's midnight. Is there, is there anything else? Nope. That's the price we got to. Right. And so then I look at, I'm like, but your website says that it's 97 95. And they're like, oh, well, you've got to, ch- you know, you have to book online. I'm like, really? Like it's the, isn't, doesn't it go to the same place? Me checking in here or me checking in online. I'm here and I'm checking in and you have rooms available and. I'd like to have one, but maybe not at 139, maybe at, you know, 99, maybe or... $40 less. Like it says right here. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, oh, well you have to, you know, you have to go online. And I'm like, all right, well, I might as well just go ahead and log in here. And as I'm starting to like check in there, he's like, oh, I think I found a way to, to get the online price. First time you. ever. <laughs> I think I might've found it. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it works, right? It's it's a it's a level of uh, effort that people are willing to do, and it's threshold is low. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It was at close to midnight. However, the where where my benefit of the doubt just kind of like tapers off to nothing is is that I worked at a hotel. Okay, <laughs> so you know, and I work I worked the the front desk and was a night auditor at the midnight hours. My shift started at 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Mm, nice. So nice shift. I know he's fresh. I know he just came on. And so I'm thinking to myself, you can't be tired. You can't be overworked because you just got on. No, so. they're just lazy. Right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're still hoping that you will pay full price. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess next door's got it for... Forty dollars less than here, so I guess I'll go over there. Yeah, jeez. Like, oh wait, 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 yeah, wait. right. <laughs> like, or they're going to be like, oh, okay, you know, like, so you don't work for this company? Like, you're not? Like, aren't you supposed to be earning money for this company by like checking people in? And if by some, you know, and there was even times where, like, when I was working the the front desk, and somebody would come in. And they're just like, do I, you know, really? I got to pay full price. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, there was a level of leeway that we were actually given. And if they didn't push back and they say, oh, okay, 139, then you charge them the 139. However, I always felt bad because we were allowed to actually give them like money off. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, really? You know, I got to pay 139. I was like, well, let me see what I can do. And then, you know, you go and talk to the proverbial manager. Which, of course, there is none because it's midnight. Yeah, let me check with my manager, who's just right behind this door right now, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so then you walk into the door, you need to just sit there, and you just, like, you maybe do a little bit of dancing, like your Hans or Franz or whoever. Why am I blinking on the uh, the dude from Saturday Night Live? But uh, Dieter. Dieter. You do, like, the Dieter's dance party. Yeah. And um, and then you come back out and you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can get you like $40 off. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah, let's do that. And you're like, I mean, you're, you're literally going to be staying, you know, you're checking out tomorrow morning. You're literally going to be staying here for like eight right, hours. Right, right. Yeah. Still use the room about the same amount, though, as far as yeah. what has to be cleaned. Well, true. <laughs> so, so one of my favorite YouTube channels, I think it's probably come up on here before, is, uh, is Rick Beato. So we'll put, put a link to Rick in the show notes because it's just genius. Good stuff. And one of my favorite series that he has is what makes this song great. But uh, we we watch this video. I watch this video. You watch this video. And you said you have a way to link it to architecture. So I'll put a link to the video. But basically the gist of the video is have video games. Uh, how would how would you say it? Because I, I don't have it in front of me, but it, it's basically that 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 the kids of today don't appreciate music because of video games. Yeah. So basically, he he his contention was is is the old man yelling at the clouds. Yeah. That, Maybe I'm just old man yelling at a cloud. Yeah. That that Gen Z just doesn't doesn't listen to and appreciate music the same way because they're more of like the gaming like inundated with information and everything else and so they don't like appreciate music and like you know it's music's not a part of their life well and video games as, do have a lot of music and i think even his example was they, there he's been playing games with his kids and and he's listening to the music and he, he asked the kids like what do you think about the music and they're like what music <laughs> right it was like there's music 
I didn't even hear the music because they're so immersed in the game. Well, you know, what's interesting though, so after watching the video, you know, I was paying attention to my sons who are gamers and they've got headphones on and they're not listening to the music. They're talking to each other. They're talking to their buddies that are on the other end of the, you know, the headset and they're chatting up and they're talking and all that other stuff. So they're, they're really, it's, it's like a, it's a social gathering where they're not in front of each other, where they know the people that they're playing the games with. And they're just having, you know, kind of like a sleepover without actually like being in the same room together. But like, like how we used to like sit up and talk about music or things like that all night long. Listening parties. You know, we were listening parties and <laughs> <What's> stuff. <that? laughs> they weren't like that. Or, or, you know, other things is like, I will watch them as they're playing the game and they will have headphones in, but they will be, they will have headphones in watching something else. So there's some other stimuli coming into their ear holes where visually they're, they're playing the game orally. They orally, whatever they're, they're listening to something else, whether it's a YouTube video or a movie or chatting with friends or whatever. And it's just, they're, you know, they're not, you know, it's, it's interesting is that it's disengagement through, through audio assault and visual assault. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or it's, or it's multi, multi layering engagement. Or disengagement through the, you know, multi-layered assault. It's just kind of numbing at that, yeah, at that level. And, and, you know, it's just like where we're kind of a little, you know, more kind of like straightforward. Now, I can listen to music when I'm, like, just say I have, you know, like I'm doing a mindless task, like I'm, like, drafting. Well, I haven't drafted for a long time. I mean... Now that I've moved into the management side, project management side and things like that, you're answering emails, you're calling people up, you're on meetings, you know, you're like doing red lines, you're doing, you know, whatever, and you're, you're planning everything. And so I can't, I have to focus on that issues rather than, you know, the other one. And so it's interesting though, because we've had several Gen Zers recently start working at the firm and it's interesting to see this kind of like split between more of like the more of like the traditionalist kind of worker that like you know it's almost like heads down let me just get my work done kind of or the multi-sensory overload kind of thing where they are sitting there and they are they've got the they've got Revit in front of them. They've got their email going on here. They've got, you know, YouTube like streaming and, and stuff like that. And you're just like, you know, first of all, like, you know, <laughs> the guys yelling at the clouds are like, you know, Hey, are you paying attention to your work? Are you like, you know, really focused on your work? I mean, you're, you're watching videos, you know, you can't be working because they're looking at it through their own eyes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're looking at it through their own eyes and they're not looking at it the way that they work. And so they work completely differently than the way we work. And and so, you know, they need the multi-pronged attack of sensory overload. And, you know, and it's just, it's it's interesting because, like, my daughter will come home 
and you know be, they issued out Chromebooks for everybody, and so that they don't have textbooks, and so she'll you know have to like watch a video, or she'll have to like you know read a passage online or something, and then do her homework online, and she'll be doing that while she's listening to music and everything else. And I'm just like, how can you even how can you even focus on that? And here's the thing, I can't question her methods because she's doing great in school. I mean, she's, you know, in the 95th percentile and she's doing fantastically, but I'm like, how, how can you do that? How can you like focus on so many different things at one time? Makes me want to dig into the science of it and actually find out what's going on there because are they doing fine? Are they doing like, like what are the long-term effects of this? Can you ever turn anything off? I, you know, can you get away from it? And what, that just seems like there's so many things at play here. I, I've heard so many people complain um, about either the way somebody works in the studio or the way that their kids, you know, work and they're doing their homework and things like that. But the people who are complaining are the people who are creating these kids. These are the these are the parents who gave them a you know an iPad or something like that to like. Or had the little DVD monitor, you know, strapped to the back and, and gave them basically constant stimuli the entire time. And so, you know, you're just like, hey, look out the window. And they're staring at the back of the, you know, they're staring into their screens and things like that. I think about this all the time. I think of because there's this there's this slide. And I think you've heard me have like say that the. the the comment, uh, the the gist of the slide is there's two things architects hate, you know, because I'm a lot of, often talking about technology and architecture and like the co-evolution and the the problems and the challenges and this, you know, the, the things that work, the things that don't. There's two things that architects hate. They hate the way things are and they hate change, right? I, I'm changing, I'm changing it up now and saying that there's two things res- that architects are responsible for. It's the way things are and change. And and I think about that because there are multiple generations of architects in one office working together, and you know sometimes four or five generations. It's incredible, right? And and the old generation yelling at the young generation or shaking their head or rolling their eyes because they just don't comprehend. They they can't communicate. The vocabulary is different. The way they work is different. To your point, they produced those people. So here, here's something interesting that I've noticed about priorities or prioritization of work between, like, say, me, who, you know, grew up with the evolution and adoption of hand drafting to computers to, um, you know, from 2D drafting to computer-aided drafting to Revit and modeling and things like that. And so I've lived through the evolutions of where we are now. And, and so, but my prioritization of the way that I do work and what I need to achieve when I, when I hit each of the phases, you know, say I'm in concept design, there are, you know, certain things that I need to achieve by the end of concept design that I can roll into, you know, schematic design and then design development and then construction documents, you know? And so there's a logic to the way that I'm always approaching each of the, the priorities that I need. But I, I see that when we are working through things, there almost seems to be a reluctance to, once you commit it to computer, I used, you know, used to say once you commit it to paper, but once you commit it to computer, there seems to be a reluctance to change it because it's done, right? 
I've drawn it, right? I, you know, why do we need to draw it again? And I'm like, but is it right? Is it good? Is it the, the right solution? There seems to be a reluctance of change because, you know, whereas on paper, you had the freedom to just ball it up and throw it over, right? And just start, you know, grab another piece of paper and keep on sketching through and stuff. And you felt like you weren't ready to commit it to the computer until you kind of like drew it a bunch of times and you felt good about it, right? And the only time you really committed it to the computer was when you wanted to test fit whether or not your big fat lines actually worked with like the constraints that you the have. actual about, spatial constraints know, that you have, right? The actual spatial constraints. But it didn't necessarily mean that you were committed to that. Whereas I've seen over the evolution of the last three to four projects that I've been working on where my team is getting younger and younger and are further and further, and especially now that, you know, we have been remote for so long that, you know, it's, it's almost a one and done that, you know, you've, I've committed, I've drawn that you've asked me to draw this. I've drawn it. Why are you asking me to change it? That's so interesting. Cause I've, I've experienced the total opposite side of that. And I don't know if it's a design, you know, early stage versus late stage issue that you're talking about, because I see, and I'm not claiming that I work this way myself because I'm much more of a try to do it right the first time when I'm committing the stuff to computer, like you said a minute ago. Um, I'm very much that that mindset, and I'm I'm I've been slow to shift to this other mindset I'm about to talk about, which is these computers can take anything you can throw at them over and over and over again, and you're not have to like remember back in the day when we worried about corrupting files all the time. And you were so careful about the way you constructed the geometry, about the way that the section cut went, because it was you were just constantly living in fear of a crash, right? Which would lead to a corrupted file because you didn't have enough memory, or or the you know the floating point calculation was just off, and it just threw everything out of whack, and in your files hosed. It isn't like that anymore. So it's funny that you're bringing this up because I feel like now the computer is more resilient than it ever has been, which is like, like, look at what a Revit model goes through over the life of a project. Holy crap. It's incredible. Every program's like that nowadays, every single one of them. And I can't, I can't even believe how stable they are and how, how few times we actually get corruptions and things like that. It's, and so to have the mindset of like, well, I drew it once and it, it's not coming from a, a place of fear. It's coming from a place of like, well, you told me to do it that way and I did and we're done, right? That is a different, that's a totally different behavior that, that you're experiencing. I'm trying to relate it back to like what we had to go through and what we were, our constant day to day, which was like, holy crap, be careful. And now it's like, you don't have to be careful at all. And I think it's kind of wild that people are behaving the way that you're talking about. You know, it was so funny. Is like, think about this. How many times did you, um, in the early days, like grab like a floppy or a zip disk or something and drop it in there and save multiple oh, copies save of as. the files that you were I knew that it wasn't save that was locked. People don't even have to save anymore. I guess they synchronized to central or whatever, but. But even then, like on, on most device, on most files now, you don't even have to save, right? It's just constantly being saved, especially if you're working in the cloud. Everything you do is 
constant update to the file. But my fingers were glued to save as. <laughs> exactly. And save as was always a duplicate. And there were a yep. hundred of them at the end. And and it was every kind of step along the path that you weren't really willing to redo over again. Right. So I would have 56 form Z files for one building because every 15 minutes of like, or every major th- step that I wasn't willing to redo, man, it was a save as, and it was a new file name with like an 001, 002, 003. I did the either, you know, like version one, version two, or I would, I would, uh, you know, do my, even though I knew it was always time stamped anyway, when I did a save as I would put Arcuspeak floor plan as of Arcuspeak world, you headquarters know, four floor t- plan, you know, 429. Yeah. It was like as of 429 PM. <laughs> once, once file names could be longer than eight characters from the good old DOS days. Exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's so funny. That or, you or if that you have, you know, max path violations now. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Thanks windows. Uh, to worry about that on my Macintosh. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Teeger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free, and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to our conversation. I'm interested in how you tie this, this old man yells at cloud kids don't appreciate music. I do want to, before you tie that to architecture, I want to tell you my experience, which is my kid that is the last one in the house plays a lot of video games really does pay attention to the music because they don't if they are playing video games with people online it's all text-based and so he's really listening to i'm sure the sound effects and all of the things that go along with making it an immersive environment beyond just what's happening on the screen and he's not talking to his friends he's listening to 
like I said, the sound effects and things like that. But he's also listening to the soundtrack so much so that that's the only kind of music he likes. And so when he's vacuuming the house and he has his headphones on because he wants to listen to music, it's very cinematic kind of music. And he doesn't like any music with vocals in it. And, and that totally comes from video games for him. I just think that's, that's really interesting. So I think there are kind of interesting connections to architecture. And do people even notice when it's architecture? Like, <laughs> do they notice there's music when they're playing video games? I think that there's maybe potential connections there. So I, I'm interested to hear what what's you're, it, you're Well, what's interesting, you know, before you do that, I, you know, just to, before the reveal. So I've got <laughs> before, well, or just before the, the, the chat, but I mean, so, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, you were talking about your, your kid. And so, you know, I've got one, not a gamer at all, but she is so deep into music. I mean, um, a lot of times, yes, it does come from, my yeah i'd say here's the funny thing is it's not even i guess it is my influence because it is my um, playlists of things that she pulls together but she kind of curates it herself and you know she you know builds things off of like here's a mood playlist and you know you know whether it's like alice in chains or red hot chili peppers or whatever i mean she's into kind of the you know kind of xm channel it's you guys go on these long drives and you're listening to the yeah well we also do the whole like music roulette kind of things but i mean so where i was going is like all of my kids appreciate music and so even though like the boys are gamers they they all have their own distinct tastes in music it all kind of like originated from my brand of music which was you know kind of like grunge and stuff like that and then you know the older kids listen to punk but now they've evolved into i'm not sure if you've ever heard of like king gizzard um in the lizard wizard well you have now (laughs) (laughs) write that down which is my which is my oldest son's kind of like jam right now very unique very very uh, just by the very name of it it's a very unique sound and and so then, you know, you got the other one. Every time I jump in the car, he's changed the station to like Ozzy's Boneyard and stuff. I'm like, ugh. And then, and then thankfully the, the girl is still, you know, like listening to, thankfully she's still listening to the same stuff I do. So we're good there. But, but so this, where, what I was saying earlier about the way they, you know, the, the way that kids don't, the way that like Rick was saying that, you know, kids don't appreciate music the way that we do. I don't necessarily know if that's true in my experience when it comes to our, like, you know, working in an office and stuff, because I see the way that they work. I think that it's just definitely, it has an influence on the amount of like input that they have coming at them at all times. And, you know, you, you walk around and you just look at like all of the different things that they have open on the three screens that everybody has now as standard. And, you know, I, I don't question, you know, oh, hey, I see that you're streaming a video. Now, if they're only staring at the video all day long and I haven't seen them like, you know, move the mouse, maybe that might be one thing. But for the most part, I see them working and it's just the way that they need to work 
the stimuli that they need to actually do their job that's different from us. And, and when I was thinking about like the way that he you know, was talking about that, I was also thinking about, okay, like I used to have a mental Rolodex of, of different architecture. And when we would sit around and we would talk about like design ideas for different buildings and stuff, I would be able to like rattle off. Oh, and that's like, da, 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 da. And, you know, and then I'd like, you know, pull it up on Google and, and say, you know, are we thinking something like that? And they're like, Oh, wow. Like I thought I was talking about something like that, but no, that that's even more of the example of what I was thinking of, you know? And so we would talk about it. And so I, I, I wanted to flip it and say, do younger architects or newbies coming into the profession have a similar appreciation for architecture in like the way that we used to have like these, you know, architectural history courses that were in, and everybody does still have architectural history courses, but I had in, in all of my friends built these like mental Rolodexes of different things. You know, whether it was a movement of architecture or a style of architecture or a detail from an architect, you know, we had all of these things and, you know, we used to be able to like flip the books and we would have all the little tabs on, you know, each of like the picture books that we had that had words in it, but did anybody really pay attention to the words? But we wanted to see like the, a detail or something or like, oh, they had a glazing that, you know, did this. That might be something interesting for what we're talking about here. And so we used to do stuff like that. And I'm in and, and nowadays when I sit around and I talk about that with the, you know, new interns, recent graduates, emerging professionals, when I sit there and I talk to them about it, I get these blank stares of you know, they don't have a clue of what I'm talking about. And so it wasn't that I had a direct tie-in to architecture other than the question is, does anybody like, I mean, does anybody like have that memory bank filled with, you know, nowadays, does anybody still have that, that mental Rolodex or that memory bank filled with details and buildings and architects and whatever else because it doesn't seem like that is that important to them because if they need it rather than remembering something, they'll just go and they'll just like type on into the old Google machine and they'll say windows. And then they'll just do like this really long, like search kind of like parameter and then try to like just flip through image after image, after image, after image of something to kind of like spark, you know, oh, I think I was talking about this. But to me, it's just like I had this like built-in knowledge already there from just my like flipping through all of the architecture magazines, flipping through all of the different books that I had and things like that. And, and whether or not I remembered exactly who it was, I could remember where I found it. I mean, it's like I had a book on like LA architecture and I remember one time I was sitting there and I was talking with somebody at the firm I was working with in Rockville, Maryland. And we were talking about something that we were specifically doing in in Maryland. But I felt like the solution was something that I saw in that LA architecture book. And so I went over to my desk that I had a bunch of stuff that I brought in that were kind of like my go-to like inspirations. And I would grab it and pull it over and flip it over. And they'd be like, dude, you're... Like, I mean, 
so many times people would like comment on you know, like my uncanny ability to be able to just like, oh yeah, that. Hold I on. I saw that and then, there. I have it right here. Yeah. Can you can you please explain to the younger audience what a Rolodex is, Cormac? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you Google yeah, it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the answer. Uh, the exactly. the constraints of t- or the the way in which people live today is different than the way that we grew up, and I I know that the thing the answer to your question is no, because they don't need to. Like when we were growing up, I was interested in whatever these five or ten things, and now everyone can be interested in everything all the time, and it's just a live stream of information constantly flowing and you can ride the wave and then you can jump off and go ride a different wave. And it's just when, when we were growing up, it wasn't like that. It's like you got interested in something, you dove deep into it. And, and that thing became your career in this case. Right. And that stuff really mattered. I mean, you talk about a mental Rolodex, like we had, we had three ring binders full of this stuff and they were categorized by, you know, market type or by, I don't know, by architect or something, you know, there was always, or sweets catalogs or, yeah, but I mean, just even inspiration, right? Like there was arc record and you would cut the pictures out of arc record and put them into a three ring binder because those are the ones that mattered and you wanted to save them because you couldn't look but them up. that three ring binder, but that three ring binder would be categorized yeah. by maybe material something, style yeah. or architectural style. If you were really disciplined. Yeah. And now it's Pinterest and Google and yeah, it's all that stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, the, you, you, when you were talking about, um, you know, the, uh, the, um, weather stripping for, uh, your Tacoma and well, I mean, you know, like I, they were just like, I want to do this. They were, they were talking about these glass handrails that we were doing and we were trying to like, you know, do something that, you know, you couldn't see the hardware and all this other stuff. And so, but they couldn't think of like what the, the shoe where the glass, what do you call that you know, thing? how do I find out what they call that thing? <laughs> and you're like, well, you look in a book, it's right here. <laughs> you know, and at the very least, I remember, I recall that, you know, if you were looking up handrails in I would automatically default to, you know, going to Google or something like that now and just say, you know, handrail details. And if I'm looking for a specific portion of that handrail that I want to try to find something, it's just like, okay, we're talking about the shoe where the glass goes in. Now I'm like concealed, concealed handrail shoe. And then I'll type that in and then just start to look and see and dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the things that I want to see for that and just see if there's somebody else out there that's trying to achieve the same thing that I'm, I have in my mind. And if they don't, then, you know, we just move on to something else or it's just like, Hey, you know, I think this might be something that we really believe in. It could be customized and we'll, you know, bring it out. We'll talk to the owner about, you know, customization. We'll start with a blank page because damn it, we're architects and that's what we do. I just, I seriously want to reach through the computer and smack you around right now because this is the, one of the biggest problems in architecture, which is that freaking black hole of Google. We don't even know what to call the thing. We don't even know what the right questions are to ask. The answer is not, it it is on Google. It's somewhere. It might be right, (laughs) but where? 
oh, if only somebody would work on this problem. Checkouttech.com. Yeah. But the, the idea here is you've got to talk to somebody, right? And so like, like the question that some emerging architect just graduated school and they don't know that the thing that the glass sits in that is buried in concrete on the, in the ground that holds it up and provides all of the necessary connection hardware to the structure is called a shoe. You immediately call or email Cormac Phelan in your office because you know the answer. But what do they actually do? They go to Google and they start searching for who knows how the F long <laughs> to find that answer. And seriously, it could have been a 10 second conversation. Anyway, that's my that's a pet peeve. Obviously, you hit my hot button right there. But it's happening everywhere all the time. And you said like, well, and if we can't find it, like when when do you call it? Like, oh, I couldn't find it. Or, or do you? Or do you just spend the next, you know, 20 minutes for the next four days looking for that or or do you spend even more than that because that happens all the time and and to me like that's a huge 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 problem but nobody's willing to actually address it because what that's just part of the design process it's just part of the process that's how we do it and so it's kind of accepted so we don't we don't address it but yeah it's a it's a mess but i think like that's where books were cool right because you could pull out the cr lawrence book off the product shelf and there it is. There's all the hardware that it takes to do guardrails and handrails and the names of all the parts and there's cool section cut drawings and there's diagrams and there's details and there's all that stuff. And it was right there the whole time, you know. Or the Hafla catalog. The Hafla catalog is amazing. I I actually have oh, one. Yeah. I have one, right? I have both of these oh, things I, right here. I I still have one sitting downstairs on my uh shelf. And I'm sure it's 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 outdated <laughs> now. It was outdated the day they I'm printed sure it. But but there's so yeah. much information that like gets you in the right direction that it doesn't even matter, you know. But I mean, even still today, I mean, you know, just the parts and pieces that they have in those catalogs, and you're looking at them, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't think that we could do this. I mean, so many times I've tried to get inundated, innovated, inundated, innovated, whatever, innovation. <laughs> I tried a little bit of innovation with like a detail that you know is taking a bunch of standard off the shelf parts but making something a little bit different like a custom assembly out of standard parts right yeah and but but rather than saying oh and you know to close this piece you know i'll i'll have them fabricate a a closure piece and they're like no you know you don't need to have them fabricate something we've got closure pieces for this for other applications that you could use for this but you're thinking it's going to be a gap of like an inch and a half but you know we have a half inch or an inch gap there you're like oh well maybe i can achieve the same thing that i'm trying to achieve with one of those off the shelf things or you know do i need to really customize this this I mean, it's stems just stems from school though this totally stems from school because everyone is taught to go it alone and therefore we turn to the resources that are available to us which start with a search on on google and that is the biggest lie that's ever been told to you in as an architecture you know somebody coming up in the field of architecture because you will never ever go it alone on a project and there are all these people with all this amazing knowledge and wisdom that are all around you 
They may not be in your office. They might be right next, sitting right next to you. And, and they're the ones who, like, you, like you're talking about right here. Oh, no, we have that closure piece. It's like, would you have found that by searching through data online? No, because that assembly is new. You ha- no one has done it before, at least as far as we know, right? Somebody probably has, you know, spoiler alert. But how, how would you have put that? How would you have got there? You wouldn't have on your own. And so for that one person to just raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, no, we could totally do that. Okay, we've, we've done that. It's, here it is. Here's the part. It saved you hours and hours and hours of work just by saying those words. And that to me is like, this is the answer that no, it's hiding in plain sight, which is people. You've got to talk to people. about mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. So how does this tie, tie back to me? <laughs> well, I think we went past we that. Did. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've, we've talked about how like the first premise tied back to the, this music and, you know, this, this lack of appreciation, but, and now it's come to this lack of appreciation for the history of technology and design and everything else within the office or whatever else, because you, you said it best to me, we're taught to go it alone. I mean, the one thing that I did appreciate and still appreciate about Auburn was that a lot of the classes that we took, like a lot of building technology courses that we took, we took with contracting um, with our construction management degree. So it was like interdisciplinary Um, in that regard. So it was very interdisciplinary. And so the interesting thing about that, even though, you know, there's this whole like built in animosity between architects and contractors and things like that, that people felt like, because, Oh, arrogant, you know, arrogant architect or dumb contractor, you know, kind of thing, you know, how can we ever work together? And, I was the one who was just like, yeah, we're going to spend our entire career together. Let's figure out a, a way right. to like work together. Right. And uh, so you do something I can't, I do something you can't. We should work together. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so there's many a times that if I'm trying to work through a detail rather than me, you know, sitting back there as the all knowing, all being, you know, architect who, who's, I can I can just create this and and then they will make it just the way I wanted to do it. You know, or I could pick up the phone and call a manufacturer or a contractor or someone and say, you know, hey, I, I, I just drove past a job site of yours and I saw this really cool detail and I'm kind of interested in it. I mean, you know, is there anything that you can shed some light on? And then the great thing about it is is that a lot of times when you're talking through some of the details that you want to do. And, you know, you get this immediate reaction from the contractors just like, oh, man, that was a bear of a project to uh, to try to do because, you know, there was just this it was off the shelf. Yes, but it was, you know, everything was so customized or they'll say, you know what? I mean, we looked at it and we we thought it was going to be a lot more complicated than it was, but it was just, you know, two back to back mullions that had a gap in it that had a closer piece that you know, snapped together and and everything was just like, you know, great. And then now look at it. You've got this really thin profile with a shadow line and it's just like. That feedback loop does not exist, right? Unless you go search it, unless you actually intentionally talk about that with those people. Unless you, exactly. Unless you put down the Google machine and talk to real human beings every once in a great while to like really talk through that, that process. Cause, cause I mean, 
everyone thinks that the process itself is just us. You know, okay, we thought about it. You go build it exactly the way I drew it. Man, if that would be the case, then there wouldn't be RFI one in the world. There wouldn't be change order one in the world. There wouldn't be ASI one in the world. There would just be, ooh, they built it exactly the way I drew it. But but when reality strikes and we realize that we really should be talking together with each other, with the people who are swinging the hammers, which are, which are, you know, manufacturing those details and things like that. I mean, we sat there on some details. In fact, we were just um, this past week over the past like week and a half, actually, we went back and forth to the manufacturer's yard uh, with some metal details that we were working on, but they're the same people who were also working on some of these reveal details that we wanted for our curtain wall. And, you know, we went back and forth, back and forth on, you know, some of these details and they stretched their, the manufacturer, they stretched the construction detailers and the installers. And, you know, we talked about it as a group of not just the designer with the vision of this is what I want, but all the way to this is the person who's going to be installing it. And they're the ones that are ultimately responsible for being able to deliver a product that hits your design parameters. And so everybody in between the, you know, the manufacturers, the installers, the contractor, everyone all got a chance to sit there and talk through all of this stuff and actually come up with the details that we all believed and kind of like put our stamps on it of like, yeah, this is going to work. And is it a hundred percent exactly like the idea that I had floating in my head for it? Not a hundred percent, but pretty damn close. Look how much faster you got to the answer too, right? Not only did I get to the answer faster, but I also got buy-in on everybody else. That's going to be a part of this journey of getting to the actual physical reveal detail. Because if they can't get to that reveal detail and they're just looking at what I put on paper and then ultimately I have to just live with whatever it is that they're going to build because once they build it and they're like, well, you know, this was as close as I could get to the detail that you wanted. And then you're like, no, you got to rip that out. And then the owner's just like, well, that's going to be a delay. And, you know, then you've got all of these other like things. Well, and there's <laughs> just, pressure not to rip it out, right? Like, the, oh, we'll just live with it. And, and then your reputation suffers later because of that and all these things. And and then they're just like, oh, you know, look at, look at Cormac. I mean, oh, look at how like chintzy his detailing is. And, you know, you're just like, man, you know, I, 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 if I would have just talked with the right people to try to work through and like, you know, really envision, you know, like work through the vision of this detail and every single one of our window details that we did on this uh, building that's now under construction, we passed by the the manufacturers, the installers, the detailers, everyone, and got it to the point where everybody felt comfortable that the details that I had in my head were going to be what they could achieve out in the field. Yeah, that's important. It's it's interesting to think about how we could change this behavior, and I think that the, that if I were to give a an action item for <laughs> this right now is especially with younger staff. And I think it doesn't necessarily just stop there. I mean, everybody can learn something about what they're drawing right now, right? Um, give an assignment. Before you draw the next thing, make a phone call and talk to somebody about it first and just pick their brain for 20 minutes and see what you come away with. And I'm, I, I, 
I can practically guarantee that you will come away with more than you started with, with a much better idea about where you need to go. What are the right questions to ask? What are the right things to think about first, rather than just this kind of blind search into a sea of information that is not specific to the building industry, the region that you're building the building in doesn't doesn't have the most current information like there's so many downsides to the typical approach which is today's approach of finding data and information just instead spend 20 minutes on the phone with somebody who knows what they're talking about and that might not be the easiest person to find but you know who knows is that gray-haired cormick over there in the corner (laughs) if you don't know cormick you know somebody who probably knows who's my point yeah. Right. And you can just say, look, call call this person. She knows everything about curtain wall. Talk to her for twenty minutes before you start drawing. A- absolutely. You know, and that's the thing is just like there seems to be this interestingly weird reluctance. And so this is my yelling at the clouds. But there seems to be a reluctance of people just picking up the phone and having the conversation with somebody about something that you're working on so that you can at least guarantee that either it's going to work or it's something that, you know, just nobody's going to be able to do. And maybe your, um, your efforts are better suited to go after plan B because, you know, there's, it's something that's kind of interesting too, because there, this kind of almost, let's just call it, gamer mentality of just like let's just do that one and done kind of thing that we were talking about earlier about like you know i don't want to do the these changes well what if those changes what if you not doing those changes means that the detail that you drew but you didn't want to change can't actually be built and and so you've done a rendering you've done the song and dance to sell that idea to the owner no, you just need to send that person a bill, like make up some invoice, some PDF that you could fill out and you can just email it to them after they draw something like that. And you can bill them for the, the change order that's going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it, but but then you're just like, oh, man, you know, me, you know, many times I've seen someone get so upset about a detail that wasn't the way that they drew it. But without ever checking to see if that detail that was drawn can't actually be built so if you don't go through that effort of can this be built yeah. then diligence, yeah. y- you sort of get what you get don't throw a fit you know it's just like well ex- <laughs> but then you do throw the fit and then you just like oh the, you know now i have to like justify that you know this doesn't look like the rendering it's just like well you know what it was never going to look like the rendering so many times oh my god I, I'm, I, I need to stop before I start something else here because <laughs> so many times I get so frustrated with young designers and they're you know this just like this is look look at this this is you know going to be amazing I'm like yeah okay but what happens when you put the structure in behind it is the, is it still going to be that thin is it still going to be able to achieve like that I mean right now you've just got a, set, a series of floating planes I mean how, how is this going to work? Stop with young designers. <laughs> I know it start. It's it does not start. And, and I should I should retract should. the young designer comment and just say any designer. Just, 
Oh, ouch. Of any and every it's, age. It's funny when you do see those 20 foot overhangs that are six inches thick. I'm just going to put that out there. It's not, it, age it is work. not the, <laughs> it could. Oh, no, you could, you can make that work, right? <laughs> it worked last time that it turned into 30 inches, right? <laughs> Gravity, <laughs> levitation. Oh, good times. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.